Welcome to this Halloween special from Newsaz.com, Matt's Crummy Halloween Comics Collection, part of our 2020 Halloween celebration. I am Matt, and this is the show where I take a closer look at one of the comics from my collection of the... If you've heard any version of this show in the past, you know it's a comic that doesn't appear on the top of anybody's collector's wish list. That's the long and short of it this time. For today's Halloween-themed comic, I am taking a look at Elvira, Mistress of the Night, number one. This is the current incarnation of Elvira in comics, but it's not the first. In fact, an Elvira title appeared in the original run of Matt's Crummy Comics Collections. So that was Elvira's House of Mystery. That first title ran from 1986 to 1987. There was another Elvira run of comics before this one. That was also titled Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and was started in 1993 by Claypool Comics. This run of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark is published by Dynamite Comics and was launched in July of 2018. There's also a second Elvira title from Dynamite available called The Shape of Elvira. That's a four-issue miniseries that was published in 2019. I'm reasonably sure anyone listening to a Halloween-themed podcast already knows who Elvira is. As a quick recap to round out this intro, Elvira is a character created by Cassandra Peterson as the host of Movie Macabre on TV KHJ in Los Angeles in 1981. From there, the character has grown to just an iconic status. It is an entire world of products, appearances, live shows, a feature film, and thousands of other things that could take possibly an entire episode to list and really no sign of that changing anytime soon. So what made me pick up this issue of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? Well, simply said, it's Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I don't think there's any more explanation needed. I'll describe the cover on my copy because it is one version of 13 covers that were released for this inaugural issue. My cover is a Pretty straightforward cover, but not boring. And I was going to kind of say simple, but I think straightforward is a better way to say it. It's Elvira, legs crossed in a throne that has bat wings and a kind of a, I think, a skeleton bat profile at the top of it. It's a, That part is actually covered by the title Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. She's balancing a skull on her knee, which still has its eyes, which are strategically turned or drawn to be facing directly at her chest because she is wearing a black bodysuit dress of some sort that is almost cut down, V-cut down to her navel. It's just above her navel. She has a dagger poised in her belt, and on the floor next to the chair is a little imp-type demon. He's got fanged teeth, two small horns coming out of his head, pointed ears. He's about, he barely comes up to the seat of the chair. That's a sight. He's also wearing sunglasses and he's holding some kind of cane. It's almost trident looking, but I don't think it's a trident. It just, I think it happens to be a pointed end, almost like a spear with two more points, more as a, what's the word I'm looking for? Decoration, uh, then actual uh, weaponry. That's the best way I can describe it. And then behind all that is a very 
well, not very dark, but a dark purple background that fades into a castle silhouette, uh, a very large castle silhouette with a lighter purple sky behind it and a moon. Like I said, very straightforward, but not boring at all. Very well-drawn representation of Elvira. It ha- uses a dark purple instead of the straight-out black to set the mood. It's it's It was enough for me to want to pick it up. Of course, if it just had any kind of imagery of Elvira and the name Elvira, there's a big chance I was going to pick it up anyway. Now, I did mention that's one of 13, and I will briefly go through the other covers, not in as much detail, just kind of give you the idea here. So, first one I'm looking at is more of a comic book cartoon version of her on a surfboard being carried by Dracula, uh, Gilman, Gilman, (laughs) Gilman, Creature from Black Lagoon, and Frankenstein's Monster. Another one is her surrounded by a bunch of different creatures. We got a Wendigo, we got a mummy, we have a four eyed kind of Jason looking thing, and a bunch of aliens. The next one, this one I, I kind of wish I'd had because I, I like the combination of green and black for Halloween, and it's her kind of over appearing in a porthole in a graveyard almost, or standing on a uh, some kind of grave with green smoke and light coming from it. Another one of her in front of a skull holding a dagger. There's a photo one of Elvira on a red love seat, which is, I think, uh, almost a trademark photo of her i think i've seen this before uh, we have the black and white inked version of the graveyard one i just described then we have the cover i described oh good i'm actually glad this happened we have the cover i just described that i own the the purple background and her sitting in a chair and i can see the top of the chair now is a giant e i thought it was a profile of a skull it's a, a big e which makes sense for Elvira. so it's it's that cover without anything on it no barcode no price no date no title just a picture uh, another one, a the inked version of her with all the different aliens and creatures. A kind of, I guess it's an inked version or an outlined version of the one I have, but it's not quite as fully inked as the other ones. Another photo one of her in a red sequin dress in front of an American flag. We have, oh boy, this one's going to be <laughs> tough to describe her in a very scantily clad dress, even less so than normal, at a dinner table i guess with a kind of zombified creature and uh, a rat with an apple in its mouth and two other zombies in the back with instruments serenading a red inked version of my cover and that's all of them that i have in front of me to walk through that's a lot of covers and not an uncommon practice in the Kind of mid-2000s now. I guess a 2010s, I should say, for new releases. I know Marvel's done a ton with the first, I don't know, what, 20, 30 covers of the new Star Wars run they've done. So, not uncommon. Some of these are cool. Some are... Actually, I don't like... There's not one I don't like. I'd be happy with any of them. But there's a couple I like better than others. Now, let's get into this first issue of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. The first page is the issue credits page, and it's a pretty neat black and white page. It's it's more, I guess you'd say, white on black. Black is a predominant color. And it's a picture of Elvira with her hair turning into a large group of flying bats. And then we have the credits, which are writer David Abalone, artist David Acosta, colorist Andrew Cobalt, 
Letters, Taylor Esposito and editor Kevin Kettner. The story opens with Elvira entering a foggy dungeon, calling out to someone saying, I'm not in the mood to play hide and go freak, fang boy. Next panel, a George Hamilton-looking vampire appears, declaring that they belong together for all of eternity. Elvira has a different plan in mind as she pulls out a stone hammer and a wooden stake. The vampire overpowers her and is about to plunge fangs into her neck until the entire set of his fake teeth fall out and we see someone off panel yell cut. Also in the middle of this page, we get the story arc title, which is Elvira Time Scream, and we get the issue title of this, which is Chapter 1, Frankenstein is the Name of the Doctor. Next page, we learn this is a movie set, and according to the clapboard, the title of the movie is simply Elvira. The director calls to take five while they fix the fangs, and Elvira heads to her trailer. As she enters her trailer, she finds an open coffin with a spiral vortex of lightning emanating from inside. She says, I'm pretty sure that's not the bidet I asked for in my contract before she is pulled into the vortex and the coffin lid slams shut. Next page, we see her swirling down a tunnel of lightning and finally landing inside of a a closed coffin or maybe landing finally on the bottom of this coffin. It's not entirely clear if she's being transported coffin to coffin or if the coffin is a transport device. She opens the lid and finds herself in a darkened bedroom. Three people, two men and a woman, enter the room with a three-armed candelabra exclaiming, What apparition shocks our senses thus? I have cannot give justice to that line. That's the best I, I can do. Sorry. The woman adds, She's not the same thing we saw earlier. That was decidedly a man. Elvira introduces herself, saying, Sorry to crash your Renfair, kids. I somehow got lost. And I need to find my way back to stage 58 and my movie. The three then pause and reply with Renfair, stage 58, movie. We quickly get the idea that we have a time travel story here. Next panel, we find out when and where Elvira is when she recognizes the woman. She identifies her as Mary Wellstonecraft Shelley, to which the woman replies, You speak of the future. I am not Mary Shelley yet. We find out that the two men are Percy Shelley and Lord Byron. Elvira and Mary begin to walk and talk as Mary explains that Lord Byron was spinning a tale to their group when a gale blew open the windows and the fire roared as the shape entered the room and snatched John Pilladori. At that point, they began to search the house for Pilladori and the shape, and that's when they found Elvira in her coffin. During this, Elvira mentions to Mary that she's a good storyteller and should probably be a writer. They reach the last door in the castle that they have to check, and it leads to the wine cellar. They cautiously enter. Elvira makes the comment, who has a corkscrew, to which, of course, Byron immediately pulls one from his jacket. Elvira tells him to keep it handy as they move further into the cellar. In the center of the deepest part of the cellar, they find Polidori tied to a chair. As they untie him, the shape returns, saying, Gentlemen and ladies, so good of you to join us, and slams Shelley, Byron, and Polidori's three heads together, knocking them out. We get a full view of the shape, and it's a huge man with long, dark hair, a mustache, a furred cape, and heavily armored with an emblem of a red dragon on his chest plate. He says that he finds himself in a new land. He must first secure lodging, to which this villa will suffice, And now he will secure companionship. 
Elvira recognizes him, but can't remember from where. The man moves in to grab the two women, but Elvira pulls a knife from her belt and stabs him, only to find out that it's the prop knife that she carried with her from the movie set through the vortex. Mary throws the candelabra in the man's face, and the two women run. As they run, Elvira breaks the comic's fourth wall and looks directly at the reader as she says, With all this running, I bet you pervs wish that this was a slow-mo video instead of a comic. By the by, which one of the variant covers did you pick up? They're all pretty sweet. The two women lead the man into the bedroom with the coffin. He crashes through the door and begins to close in on them. They back up to the coffin, and just when they reach it, the vortex returns. They push him in as he exclaims, witches be damned, as he's pulled into the vortex. Mary and Elvira stand in awe of what just happened, and Elvira asks Mary, I don't suppose you know what a high five is. Just at that moment, a second vortex opens and immediately pulls Elvira in. The coffin closes, and Elvira yells, goodbye, Mary, I love your books. As the coffin shuts, Mary is left to ponder, muttering, my books? In the next panel, Elvira slowly opens the coffin. Then we get to the final full page of this comic, and we see a man standing over her coffin as Elvira, with a look of shock on her face, exclaims, Edgar Allan freaking Poe. And at the bottom of the page, there is a teaser that says, Next, Nevermore. All right, let's go through this book. The very first thing I am going to say is about the story overall. And if you're listening and you look down at the time code, you'll probably see this is one of the shortest recaps I think I've done in many um, of the episodes, not just the Halloween ones, but all the Matt's Crummy Comics collection. And I cut nothing out. It's a very quick story, which is kind of the norm in these later 2000 modern comics. It's something a lot of people on a lot of comic book podcasts talk about, complain about, however you want to look at it. Very short, very short issue. But now let's look at the details of this particular issue, the drawing. The There's really only one model to worry about them basing this after, and of course that's Elvira. And there's absolutely no mistaking Elvira in every panel. Now, to say it looks exactly like her is... Uh, I'd say it doesn't, it certainly doesn't look exactly like her, like her. It has all of her character features, the dress, the makeup, the hair, but the design they started with is the design they end with. So it's not something that goes in ebbs and flows. It's very consistent. And it's the same way with all the other characters as well. And I appreciate that. If you're going to design a known character and it's not going to be, photo accurate or photo modeled, at least make sure it's consistent, which they certainly do. The artwork is great. I like every, everybody's expressions. The, the detail is fantastic. The, uh, the vortex elements from the coffin is one of my favorite things. And it's a dark comic in the sense of everything set in the dark. It's the movie. The scene they're shooting is very, dark it's in a dungeon the castle uh mary shelley's castle or whoever's castle it is everything's candlelit so it's very dark and then the wine cellar even darker still and then the ending with edgar Allan poe i'm not even sure where they are they're in a graveyard actually i didn't mention that that detail but they are in a graveyard because our tombstone so that's as night as night as well 
they do a very good job of making this extremely colorful and dark, if that makes sense. Lots of, and I'll explain, lots of purples, lots of dark blues. The When there is a character wearing something colorful, um, I'm not sure anyone's wearing anything re, uh, particularly colorful, but I would say the shape has the most color palette to him. And it's while it's different colors, it's the armor, which has some grays and blues or some reflection from the candle with red on it. Then he's got the red dragon and the furred cloak. So there's lots of colors, but it's still all dark. It's not like there's a big orange something sticky on this. Really well done with the color palette and making you feel this is a nighttime tale and a night story. Does this do what a first issue comic is supposed to do and make me want to read more? This is a tough question because it's it's a yes and no. If I were to go strictly by the story of any person in this situation, I probably wouldn't be super anxious to check out the next issue. However, the subject matter, Elvira, which is what made me pick this up in the first place, makes me want to read the next issue and see where the story goes. And I guess that's probably the better answer, because why would I even be posing that question if this wasn't an Elvira comic? If this was Jane Doe and the horrific time caper, I, well, actually, I'd probably pick that up. But I think you know what I'm saying. If this was just some character I'd never heard of, and it just was a, maybe it it was Jane Doe, Mistress of the Night, we'll change a word in there, then I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't get it, because I, I, by the cover, there's no telling what the story is about at all. You actually have to flip through two pages before you even get an idea when you get the story arc title. So, But again, since the subject matter is what it is, and that's what would make me pick it up in the first place, I guess the overall answer is yes, I do want to know what happens next. I will say before I get into my ratings, though, just to base it on the only other Elvira comic that I've had any experience with, I do enjoy this already the Elvira aspect of it more than the Elvira, was it Mr. I just said it in the beginning, Elvira, oh my God, it's, uh, what the heck was it? Elvira's House of Mystery. Wow. <laughs> I was going to have to dig out my notes and scroll back to the beginning there for a second. I, and that, it is, and there's a couple reasons why. One is the fact that this is an Elvira story. She did the, it was the uh, Elvira's House of Mystery was a, Oh, was it an anthology? I think that's what you call it. It's where there's uh, several stories within there and within one issue. And her role was to introduce and exit out of each one. She was almost an interstitial. I mean, she kind of had her own story in between there. She would show up in the beginning, the middle, and the end of her own story, but they're very short. And the the character in that Marvel version was not bad. It was actually pretty close to her character. This personality of this Elvira does seem closer to the Elvira I think everyone would be familiar with. The kind of the the way um even in dire circumstances she's making some kind of of joke and it's on, on a different it's like a it, there's a certain sass to it. I, I really can't find a better word to pick than that. It's it sounds like a weird word but the, but that's that's the best description. Even when things when they're um in like I said in their most dire she is still that character. So I think the character is more is better written. There's more of her, obviously, and it's a it's her character story. It's not someone else's story that she's introducing and and exiting the comic with. So I already do like it better than that one experience I've had. I hadn't read the I think it was Claypool 
comics from 93. Have not read those. Have never seen those that I'm aware of. If I have, I didn't buy them. So I don't have any familiarity with that particular version of Elvira in the comics. So, so far, of the one out of the two, this one by far is, is my favorite of the two. Now, going back to the question, does it make me want to read more? And ultimately, the answer being yes. With that, I will say I've not read more of this. And I kind of feel now, having done this episode, I should. There's... 12 issues altogether, I believe. Yes, 12 with three story arcs of four each. There's this time screen one for four issues. And I don't know the titles of the others. I roughly know there's she, it's Elvira in Hell are the next four. And then I think the Witch's Cult is the name or something like that of the last four. And then, of course, there's another set, The Shape of Elvira. That's another four series. With them being such quick reads, I mean, there's really no excuse not to read them, especially when I'm kind of left almost in a cliffhanger with this episode to know what happens. But I, I, I haven't, and I'm not quite sure why other than simply having not taken the time to do so. I might take care of that now that I have uh, re kind of rediscovered the story and, and thought through um, where, where I stand on whether or not, uh, it was, it made me want to read the next, next issue. Now it's time to get to my rating, which is between crummy to classic and everything in between. And that's actually not going to change what I have in my notes, even reconsidering all this. Cause I still think what my rating is, is a very good description of what I think of this. I called it read worthy and that's exactly what it is. If, what that means is if you like a fun comic, that's not too serious and certainly not too serious about itself then it's worth the time to read. And I think with even that idea reiterated in my head, I am going to go through and read more of these, at least the time scream uh, story arc, maybe not all 12, maybe not, not the other uh, stories, but I, I should finish the time screen. I think I'm going to do that. I think I will actually make an effort after all said and done with this Halloween celebration and finish the time scream story arc. So, with all of that, we come to the end of another episode of Matt's Crummy Halloween Comics Collection and the end of this particular 2020 Halloween celebration episode. Check back all month and previous dates of the month and posts on this feed that you found this on for more of our 2012 Halloween celebration. We have a ton of episodes this year from special episodes from existing series, special one-off series, special one-off episodes, all Halloween focused. It is by far the biggest holiday we celebrate collectively all at NeosAz.com. You can check out our social media pages. We are NeosAz Podcast on Facebook and NeosAz on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, check out all the work we do, not only at Halloween, but during the entire year at NeosAz.com. Everything that we have done for over 10 years now is online for free for everyone to check out, including all the Halloween specials of years past. So lastly, let me say one more time, I am Matt from NeosAz.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in that next episode. Yeah.